0: ICO introduces International Coffee Agreement 2022. On June 9th, the International Coffee Organization, ICO, announced a new, groundbreaking deal called International Coffee Agreement 2022. In the spirit of collaboration, the organization formally welcomed among its midst the world's biggest coffee retailers, roasters, and manufacturers, together with coffee farmers for the first time in 60 years. The chair of the International Coffee Council, H.E. Ambassador Ivan Romero Martinez of Honduras, has complimented the strength and unity of the coffee sector as it is committed to making the coffee value chain more sustainable, inclusive, and resilient. The new agreement comes two years after ICO formed the Coffee Public-Private Task Force in a joint effort to set out new commitments towards achieving a prosperous, sustainable, and inclusive coffee sector this was the first time in history that the biggest public and private players in the coffee sector aligned their views and interests and joined forces Venusia Nogueira, who joined in may as ico's first female executive director said that the arrival of some of the biggest names in the coffee sector as well as smallholders means they can address the biggest challenges in the industry one of the major issues has to do with price volatility Noguera added, we want to create a brighter future for millions of coffee farmers by adhering to the United Nations sustainability development goals and work for more transparency, quality and fair pricing for billions of consumers. The new agreement is a huge step in this direction. The new agreement marks the beginning of a new era as exporters and importers will work together to implement strategies to tackle the challenges in the coffee industry. This includes development projects and mobilizing resources in areas such as pest and disease control, climate change adaptation, among other mitigating strategies. The ICO remains intergovernmental in its nature, but the aforementioned Coffee Public-Private Task Force has become part of the ICO as the Coffee Public-Private Working Party. Additionally, the agreement saw some changes in the modus operandi of the ICO following the transformation in the coffee industry over the last 30 years. ICO's internal voting system has been redefined, addressing distortions between producing, exporting, and consumer, importing, countries as well as Arabica versus Robusta coffee-producing nations. The membership contribution system has also been modified, which should increase the financial sustainability of the organization and its capacity to carry out its mandate. The world drinks over 2 billion cups of coffee per day. Globally, Coffee farmers produce over 10 million tons of coffee each year. Hopefully, the new agreement will provide them with the compensation they deserve.
1: OLAM launched Terrascope, a new business with a wonderfully catchy name that aims to help businesses identify and report their carbon emissions. Underlying the obligatory Scrabble board of buzzwords is the potential for a serious tool. The platform itself is a a software-as-a-service. There is no product to install, and it is implemented against the GHG protocol, a 20-year-old framework for evaluating and reporting environmental risk. Most of us know of this through their categorization of environmental factors into three areas to report against. Scope 1, this one covers the greenhouse gas emissions that a company makes directly, for example while running its boilers and vehicles scope 2 these are the emissions a company makes indirectly such as for the energy it buys for running a processing plant scope 3 is the most difficult to calculate in this category it's not a measure of the company itself but the emissions for which the organization is indirectly responsible each way across its value chain for example when buying products from its suppliers You will have heard many companies talk about achieving net zero against scope 1 and scope 2 emissions, and there is a reason for that. Measuring the emissions from the first two scopes comprises a relatively straightforward cost accounting exercise. However, they may also only account for between 5 and 15% of total emissions for a typical company. Companies that have ignored scope 3 reporting may also have benefited from gaming the system on scopes 1 and 2. For example, by simply outsourcing certain activities to third parties, the company could move an activity from direct to indirect emission, thereby removing it from the Scope 1 and 2 calculation, allowing the business to claim progress toward a net zero goal. Scope 3 factors are the most difficult to measure, because you need to calculate upstream supplier activities that you don't directly control. Collecting information across potentially thousands of suppliers and doing so in a way that each is reporting consistently may be practically impossible and certainly impractical using conventional data collection verification methods. Adding to the difficulty is that the GHG protocol itself was designed to report scope 3 emissions in a way that allowed downstream customers to choose the better supplier. It was not meant to create accurate reporting data in the way you might expect from a financial report, for example. The Harvard Business Review wrote an excellent analysis of a scope three emission methodology in this regard and has suggested an improved framework using an approach more aligned to cost accounting and value calculation. However, that is unlikely to be adopted anytime soon since so much momentum and legislation is already behind the existing methodology. In the UK, where OLAM is listing their OFI business, the government announced strict reporting laws that came into effect on April 6, 2022, the start of the new financial year. The TCFD-aligned reporting requirements for the private sector, as it's known, capture all medium to large companies in a new reporting net. Any company meeting the criteria below is expected to report against their climate risk and describe their target. 1. Relevant public interest entities, PIEs, all UK companies that are currently required to produce a non financial information statement, being UK companies that have more than 500 employees and have transferable securities admitted to trading on a UK regulated market, as defined in Section 1173 Companies Act 2006, banking and insurance companies. 2. UK registered companies with securities admitted to AIM, a listing exchange, with more than 500 employees. 3. UK-registered companies which are not included in the categories above and have more than 500 employees and turnover of more than £500 million, and and 4. Limited Liability Partnerships, LLPs, which have more than 500 employees and turnover of more than £500 million. But it is through this lens of understanding inherently inaccurate Scope 3 emissions calculations, combined with new global reporting requirements, that OLAM's new business, Terrascope, should be viewed. As a newly launched business, there is not much that we know about it beyond what is written in the press release and on the website. However, the company clearly acknowledges the challenges of Scope 3 calculations when they refer to using machine language and artificial intelligence to identify areas where confidence in the numbers may be low. I wondered about other tools in the marketplace to compare against and found the GHG protocol organization themselves gives away a free tool, an Excel spreadsheet, for doing the calculations. Reviewing the spreadsheet, however, brought me out in sweats. It might be functional, but the data collection and input required and the cost of keeping it up to date is not for the faint of heart. I wouldn't be surprised if OLAM, in an effort to automate their own compliant reporting, realized they had a commercial tool on their hands. Many questions remain unanswered, such as whether having a secret sauce in black box algorithms will be acceptable in the long term. In addition, machine learning typically works on large data sets, and it can be difficult to evidence how figures are reached. Keeping bias out of the system is another challenge that becomes harder to spot in large data sets. I was speaking with the CEO of an algorithmic, AI-based recruitment system a few months ago. She told me that removing bias was an ongoing challenge and they ultimately threw out their first big data model and opted for building a unique proprietary algorithm with dedicated child processes that constantly hunted for known biases using scientifically proven anti-bias pattern recognition. The launch of the business is a savvy move from Olam. No doubt companies will pay to evidence their ESG credentials and make it Olam's problem to ensure their framework is non repudiable against the standards. The company has an opportunity to simplify a complex process and make reporting easier for many organizations. Yet, a more noble goal might be to open-source the algorithms so the entire industry could benefit from their development. This would simultaneously allow researchers to prove or disprove their work, while giving to the community, by sharing what they learn along the way. The Kana One Beverage Machine Kana is a Silicon Valley-based startup that it believes is on the verge of revolutionizing the way we drink. Whereas we associate printing mostly with hard, non-edible materials, they claim their invention will be able to print various beverages, from coffee to alcoholic cocktails. Remember the fancy gizmo in Star Trek, that materialized your food based on a command? Yeah, it's like that, and we think it's probably too good to be true, but given the gloom of the last couple years over the pandemic, the war, and general misery, we're willing to suspend our disbelief and believe, at least for a while. In a recent interview for In Their 20 podcast, the Kana CEO Matt Mahar revealed more about the machine and his past. From English instructor to EA game tester and developer at Nike, Mahar now heads Kana and explains how he landed there and what the future of beverage drinking looks like to him. Three years ago, Mahar asked himself if what he was doing was also what he wanted to do, and whether he was making an impact sustainability was one of his main requirements at that time he worked for the production board a holding company of businesses established to solve the most fundamental problems that affect our planet that's where he first heard of kana the sustainable philosophy which enraptured him there was this environmental mission this sustainable mission that really pulled me in mahar says in the podcast But there was also the technology part that was really captivating. The idea of 3D printing beverages, any beverage from the same core ingredients that we figured out are used to create wine, coffee, beer or soda or juice. It was kind of a perfect mix of sustainability and amazing product opportunity," he goes on to say. The Kano looks similar to any other modern home appliance. It has a touchscreen for customization and discovery of drinks and cartridges for CO2, alcohol, sugar, and water. But it's the top part that interests us the most. It's a storage room for an ingredients cartridge that dispenses compounds for the drink of your choice. 99% of what's in a bottle or a can is water. That's the crazy part. 99% of it is water and the rest is this unique ingredients that make aroma and taste, Mahar explains. We know exactly what's in that 1%, which is the only ingredient that needs to be shipped to your home, because the water already exists in your house. This final percent is what goes into the ingredients cartridge and turns water into the drink of your choice. The cartridge contains compounds that make flavors and aromas, for example, sugars and acids. Upon a click of a button, the compounds combine with ingredients from other containers, e.g. water, and create a beverage. Those same exact ingredients that make grapefruit seltzer can be used to make a root beer or orange juice or a cold brew coffee. We can create any beverage from this universal set of ingredients from a molecular printer that sits on a countertop. Kana 1 is set to be shipped in volume in 2023. The first 10,000 pieces are available for reservation now with a deposit of $99. These early adopters will lock in a lower total price of $499. When the machine hits full production, the retail price has been set at $799. The machine gets 5 stars from us for innovation and for the way it has remapped the sustainability equation. We are not holding our breath about the taste of the quality of the coffee though.
2: Westrock Coffee thrives in first quarter of 2022. Westrock Coffee has recently published its report of financial results for the first quarter of 2022. It has consolidated net sales of $186.4 million, an increase of 20% compared to last year, or $31.1 million in equivalent. Additionally, it reported a net loss of $4.7 million compared to a net loss of $6.1 million in the prior year, which marks a decrease of 23%. The first quarter of 2022 proved to be a success for the company. Westrock Coffee's beverage solutions business segment saw net sales of $148.4 million in adjusted EBITDA, or earnings before interest, tax, depreciation and amortization of $10.4 million, up from $127.3 million and $8.1 million in the first quarter of 2021. This reflects a 17% increase in sales and a 28% increase in adjusted EBITDA year-over-year. Various factors contributed to the increase in the first quarter results, such as favorable customer and product mix, favorable purchase price variances, and improved operational efficiencies. We are pleased with the strong start to the year, particularly given the numerous factors currently impacting the US consumer, increased inflation, and the volume impacts of COVID restarts. Our team, once again did an exceptional job of delivering on time and in full for our customers, and that continues to open new opportunities for growth across the numerous industry groups and product types that we serve. Scott T. Ford, Co-Founder and CEO of Westrock Coffee Recently, Bar Talks reported that Westrock Coffee joined a special-purpose acquisition company, Riverview Acquisition Corporation. The company announced that in response to high demand from prospective lenders, it had increased the size of the credit facility it would enter with Riverview Acquisition Corporation from the previously announced transaction of $300 million to $350 million at present. Another milestone of Westrock Coffee is its newly opened plant in Johor Bahru, Malaysia, which started production in April. The company is on track to ship its first product to the Asia-Pacific region in June 2022. Westrock Coffee is an integrated coffee, tea, flavors, extracts, and ingredient solutions provider based in Little Rock, Arkansas, and serves market leaders across the industries of retail, food service, travel, hospitality, and others.
3: Café Show Vietnam holds two-day specialty coffee event. After a long break since 2019, due to the global COVID pandemic, Cafe Show Vietnam will finally push through from 21 to July 23, 2022 in Ho Chi Minh City, Vietnam. Adapted from Cafe Show Seoul and organized by Exportum, Vietnam's specialty coffee event will be hosting several national competitions, including Vietnam National Barista, Latte Art Championship and Vietnam Signature Battle, which aims to discover the best beverage recipes. Now on its seventh year, Café Show Vietnam offers various areas of learning in the coffee industry to its invitees and general visitors, such as coffee, tea and beverage, bakery, whole and roasted bean, chocolate and dessert, ice cream and gelato, raw material, machine and equipment, franchise and startup and barista education and training. This is an opportunity for global coffee businesses to learn more about Vietnam as the second biggest coffee producer in the world and partner up with local brands that make use of Vietnamese coffee. Café Show was launched in 2002 in Seoul and has grown steadily and established a firm foothold in Korea and Asia coffee market since then. In fact... The Seoul International Café Show has greatly expanded such that it is now known as one of the biggest Asian specialty coffee events in the region. The program takes place in Korea, Vietnam and France. World Coffee Leaders Forum also participates in the International Café Show, whose goal is to share expertise and ideas in the coffee world. Café Show Vietnam's last event in 2019 recorded 234 exhibitors and had almost 30,000 visitors from 17 countries.